Today, I'm going to be talking to my good friend, Eldon Haymore. Now, Eldon and I have known each other since we were little kids. Every time we hang out, I learn a little bit more about him. Eldon originally was called to a church mission to Singapore, which I'm certain we'll learn more about today. However, once COVID hit, he was evacuated and brought back to the States, where him and I had the opportunity to connect and actually serve together in the same mission here in Arizona. Never did I think I would have such a wonderful opportunity, but I'm so glad I did. If you like camaraderie, adventure, and the language of Ebon, then this is the episode for you. This is That Made Me Smile. shared photo file uh-huh. and there's a bunch of pictures from uh from like people had taken in florida and i think i still have access to them i don't know for sure uh-huh. there's there's uh, they weren't all that very good but yeah. there were some like sunset photos and stuff yeah well it's more just like i mean honestly i didn't take that many pictures with members but at least not my at least not when my training but i mean they're just some cool yeah like landscape shots or I mean, more just honestly, mostly just like at the house at night. Mm, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like there was one one of me. I just got so tired, so I like cooked these noodles and like, oh, what did I what did I make? It was like curry. It was like curry noodles, and I had like a thing of orange soda, and I just like filled my cup, and I was just like, all right, I'm gonna eat. <laughs> Cause, and like I'd already eaten dinner that night too, but I was just hungry, I guess, or just like I needed to unwind. Yeah, yeah. Through eating, through food. What type of soda was it? Was it orange soda? Was yeah, soda? they have, yeah. I mean, it's not like quite the brands they have in America, but... That was the unwind drink of choice. Basically, yeah, it was, it was orange. <laughs> yep. That's funny. Um, I guess since we're on the topic, why why don't we... Like, what was your... What was the housing situation like in Singapore? Like, where did you live? What what kind of situation well, was in it? in Singapore, I only... I mean, most of the time... I mean, and once, again, I was probably in Singapore five or six nights out of my whole mission mm-hmm. but that singapore was nice because i mean obviously it's singapore like what do you think right. of but like so it's not like third world country at all no singapore. no it's it's honestly probably like on on average i would even say probably nicer than america well wow i mean i haven't been to new york the whole i mean i have once but like i've never like been really like in an apartment or a hotel in new york so Mm, yeah yeah i don't know but like i would say yeah like first class for sure yeah it's very very nice i think it's is it like is it kind of like new york almost like where it's like a city type oh yeah metropolis it's basically like if new york was its own country okay well new york city if if new york city was its own country because it's tiny yeah it's a very tiny place but uh very wealthy very affluent and very clean i mean just compares it to the time I did. I have been to New York once, and I was just like walking down the streets, basically. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So in comparison, yeah, and the weather's better than New York. True, true. <laughs> New York's kind of dirty. Like, yeah, there's parts that are nice, like when you get out to um, like the Statue of Liberty, and you go out there, like um, head to the islands. Like there's some good parts, and some of their parks are nice. But then, like uh, what's what Times Square? Man, that place is just. I'm trying to remember if I even. Oh yeah, I don't think we got that far, but I'll take your word for on that. It's 
There's probably quite some, quite a few people there who are interesting. Yeah, it's cool. Like when you walk in, and then it's nighttime everywhere else, and you walk in, it's like daytime because of the lights at night. That's cool. And like, there's some cool aspects of it because just so busy. But then after like, after that, you're like, man, this is nuts because <laughs> it's just there's so many people and it's yeah well that's the thing i mean i don't want i'm not hating on america it's just in singapore everything seems new it's very clean and it's just i mean i can't really think of any cons except for of living there except for that that basically the only thing to do is to shop right because they they don't have any like mountains you can't go hiking you can't I mean, I guess you could go boating if you wanted to. <laughs> so is it just like an island? Is that what it is? Yeah, Singapore's it's really, an Singapore is just a, yeah, and once again, very, very small island. Hmm. Um, but they're, they got, they, they're just, they got things, they got stuff together. Like, their public transportation is great. Hmm. Like, you get across the island in probably two, two and a half hours from one end to the other, but that's nice. I really like their public transportation. Driving, honestly... You have to be on a waiting list for several years before you can even get a driver's license. Hmm. And Do you know why that is? Um, I think it's just because they want to control who's driving more yeah. and make sure prevent prevent car accidents. That makes sense. It's kind of interesting. I've, I don't mean, I don't think a system like what they have would really take off in America because people are already too attached to their cars. But I, I think right. in Singapore, cars probably came after there was already some kind of railway. Establishment, so. yeah, yeah. Did you uh, did you see that? Oh, what you know that famous picture of like the hotel with the, the big like oh the cruise Marina, Marina Bay Sands yeah yeah I I did see it from the highway. Unfortunately, I never really got to get too close, but it's <laughs> it was kind of cool. I mean, whose idea it was to put a boat on top of three buildings? No clue, but <laughs> it is iconic. Certainly, it's cool. <laughs> yeah, and there's a, there's a, there's a lot of cool stuff. Honestly, I wish I was able to serve in Singapore because they had like like their Museum of Science. They have this zoo that here's pretty awesome like all Mm. sorts of stuff it's like basically living in the future i i would say living in singapore is like living in the future (laughs) yeah so it's very much like there's a lot of money in singapore yeah i mean but that's not to say i mean not everyone is like astoundingly rich like you'll meet average people it's kind of like america like we enjoy a higher quality of life on average than most people in the world, but that doesn't necessarily mean that, like, every single person in America you meet is going to be <laughs> right. a millionaire or a billionaire. Right. But at the same time, you never, I mean, you never know. Yeah. You never, like, really, it's, it's kind of interesting. So did you, and you, so you were on Singapore for how many days? Uh, only for about, and this, not, this wasn't consecutively, but probably five or six days. Gotcha. total and that was mainly for like zone conferences and then there were two there were two days i went on exchange there um yeah how does that work how's exchange work if you're because i'm assuming you served on like a different island or different how how's just how does that work well mainly the reason i was on exchange in singapore was because just with plane tickets and things mm. we probably had a day before we flew out after zone conference, okay. like zone conference. Then we had a day, and then we go back to Malaysia. So in that <laughs> day, um, they would just we we probably take the train over. They call well, they take call it the MRT, and we take the MRT over to a companionship. We'd split up and just yeah serve hmm. the, in their area for the day, which is pretty fun. Um, I mean, 
there's certainly you, you definitely don't have a problem with finding people in Singapore like you might expect. You can, especially on the the MRT, it's basically just like the train everyone gets on. You can mm-hmm. just talk to so many people, but it's honestly a little bit intimidating with that many people. Especially if it's crowded, mm. then it makes it harder to like single out one person. <laughs> right. And then if they like, if they're just like no, if, if they say no, or if they're just like not interested, then like if you turn to the next person, well, they just heard everything you just said, so it's kind of like oh, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> they're like, don't talk to me. You yeah, talk to them. <laughs> it doesn't really. I mean, but like once again, it kind of just depends. And I mean, I'm all for getting to know people before teaching them, but Singapore is really just like. Just go for it. And also, the one thing the one thing about Singapore is they the government is very strict about like people's privacy. Well, in some ways, and basically they don't want you going door to door, so mm. you can't knock on people's doors. But there's why is that? Do you know? I think it's just their policy of. I I I don't know for sure, but they just don't want they just don't want proselyting or door to door sales. They don't people. want you being the rich folk mad. <laughs> yeah, not really. <laughs> <laughs> So when you said, like, you'd fly over to Zone Conference, like, mm-hmm. fly to the different island, like, I don't know. I started, I was in Florida for, like, a brief stint, uh-huh. so I we didn't fly anywhere. But what's, well, yeah, so you, so what, how, how did that work? So the very first time I arrived in Singapore, we went Utah, LAX, Hong Kong, and then Singapore, and we were, we met president and sister Wu, my mission president and the APs um we did we spent one night there and there's a mission house in singapore called pasir panjong mm. it's super cool like i love, always love going there it's basically like visiting your grandparents house <laughs> <laughs> um and then the next day we're on a plane and then we go there's, I mean, there's so many different places you could end up going if you're serving in Malaysia. There's there's West Malaysia, which is a, more like Singapore. Mm. And then there's East Malaysia, which is not bad, but it's not as developed yeah. as West Malaysia. Um, same governments, different governments? It's or? the same government, yeah. But, I mean, uh, I hesitate to say that. It's not quite. I mean, it's kind of like if West Malaysia is America, then... East Malaysia is kind of like Hawaii. That's oh, not okay. a perfect comparison, but basically that's okay. like West Malaysia was first and they kind of just also got Scooped East Malaysia. Up. Yeah. Okay. Got and there's that. like, there's native people living in East Malaysia, just like how there's native Hawaiians, you know, mm. living in Hawaii or other Pacific islands. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, the first time flying to Malaysia, it was very worrisome because I didn't know what to expect. And especially... Well, I was I was blessed because there was one other elder from my MTC group. We were going to the same place, and then we were flying with one other sister. And then at w- along the way, she had to go her own separate way to make her own flight. And we were like we didn't know like what was going to happen to her. Was she going to make it? Was she not? Like, I mean, I'm sure she turned out fine. But <laughs> she's lost. We got. Up. That was going through West Malaysia. The yeah, we kind of went our separate ways, and then it was just me and this one other elder, and then we got to East Malaysia, and yeah, that airport security was very, it was very scary, especially the first time. I was like, I've never been through an experience like this in my life. I mean, I didn't feel like it was hostile per se, but what what did they do that was so different? Well, it's just if there's a there, there's always a chance that they might just say no. 
Like, if they don't want you in the country, they'll just say no. <laughs> like, leave. You're they'll not put, they'll put a They'll put a stamp on your passport, and it basically just says you're not allowed to enter for at least 90 days. But hmm. if you have that on your passport, trying to get in again later, it's a lot harder to get back in. Right, because so, it's marked. Mm-hmm. Because then they're like, well, what is it about this person like? Right. And so, I mean, I don't want, not being too political or anything, but... So the reason Malaysia is tricky is because, as I've mentioned many times before, it's a predominantly Muslim country. Mm. The, I want to say 80, 85% of the population is Muslim. And they are very strict about keeping Muslim law. Their religious law is very closely related to their political laws, mm. like their national laws. So... They don't. Lo- they don't necessarily love the idea of Christian missionaries coming in, but it, they. They all. As long as we're just like we're we're not teaching any Muslims, then they are they are fine with that. Yeah. What? They couldn't care less, honestly. <laughs> What's why? Like, first of all, why is the Muslim faith like so predominant down there? I mean, obviously, I'm pretty sure like the Muslim faith is one of the fastest growing religions in the oh, world, yeah. isn't there's, it? There's a reason for that, <laughs> which we can get into, but yeah, like what I, I, I don't really know anything about the Muslim faith. And then, so one, why is it so, why is it popular there? And then also what is, I'm sure you encounter people who in the Muslim faith when you were trying to teach. Mm-hmm. So what, what was that experience? Like what, what did you encounter with the Muslim faith? Well, I mean, I guess to answer your first, well, what to expect? I mean, they're very definitely good people. I do like how they have laws and they have, like, they're they're good. They are good people. The reason their religion is so fast growing, though, is because essentially, well, they it's just it's kind of different from America. Whereas in America, you can convert from one niche, from, sorry, from one religion to the other. You could be like, one day I'm Christian, I'm a member of the Church of Jesus Christ, Latter-day Saints. You could say, the next day, tomorrow I'm going to be Buddhist, and right. nothing nothing happens. Mm-hmm. And a Muslim, in the Muslim Muslim law, and I'm no expert, but my understanding is it's essentially, it's forbidden to convert to any other religion. Mm. And depending on where you live, you could face severe penalties, like fines, pr- imprisonment, in more extreme cases, even you could even die. Like they, someone wow. might kill you. Is that more like in the Middle East where that's more upheld, or was that is I, that upheld in all? I don't know. For, for honestly, I mean, yeah, certainly in certain Middle East countries it is, but in yeah. Malaysia, I like I said, we are we we kept our we were always told to um, keep our interactions with Muslims to a minimum. So once again, I don't know all the inner workings of that, but. I don't think people are being put to death in Malaysia. <laughs> it's <laughs> oh more just uh, it's more just uh, they could lose their families. Like their families will turn their backs on them, mm. and it just makes life a whole lot harder. Right, and you don't want to do that as a missionary. It, you might even lose. I think like it, you could even lose your citizenship. I don't. I don't know. But yeah, that's not something that we're really equipped to deal with. They, <laughs> that, basically, that's not the goal. <laughs> if they were if they were to convert, they would have to be moving to. A different. They'd have to leave the country. Basically, move to a different country. Oh, really? They couldn't. They couldn't come back. That was. That would basically be wow. what they'd have to do. Hmm. What? And is that in just Malaysia or is that in Singapore? Um. That's. Well, I think that's more Malaysia. Singapore. We were also taught not to teach Muslims from there, so we didn't. We never spoke really to Muslims there. Um. 
I don't. Was there know. a way to like tell, or you just oh, ask well, and then they the tell th- you? That's the thing is they are a diff- they are a race of people. So I mean, in Malaysia they're the Malayus, mm, called Malayus, okay. or um, and I mean just like there's I mean there's Chinese, there's Indians. Oh, okay, there's Malayus, that makes that makes and sense. You, I mean. Yeah, maybe to do a bit of racial profiling on our mission. I don't know. <laughs> <Nah>. <laughs> but it's – and you can, you can tell because also another part of – another interesting aspect of Muslim um, – the of Islam is that they, for instance, don't eat pork. So mm. any restaurant, um, there's going to be the ones that they – the places where they do serve pork and there's going to be the places where they don't. So if you go to a place where they don't serve pork, well, then you'll know this is a uh, Muslim – Muslim. Restaurant, this Muslim place to eat. So we should, I mean, we can eat there, but if we do, we might get asked some questions. And, right, and then it leads to, okay, yeah. that makes sense. So there was ways to, like, tell yeah. who yeah. was Muslim, who wasn't, and yeah. who to teach and who not to teach. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. Okay. Yeah. It wasn't, it wasn't, usually wasn't too hard. But then, I mean, it's like, <laughs> sometimes, there's some interesting, there's some, there's some times where it's like, oops, but. Yeah. Do you know what, like. Whenever you did have those moments where I was like, oops, what, like, what did, what was the discussion like? Did they, I just don't know anything about the Muslim faith or their beliefs. Well, is it pretty different than, I believe it's pretty different than Christianity. Yeah, I mean, it's fairly different. And I mean, just like any religion, there's people who are more active, there's people who are less active in their faith. Yeah. For some, it's just, I was born in this, and this is just like my religion. But if someone else is my religion, that's my religion. But it's not like it factors a huge amount to my a whole amount to my life. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah. I mean, there was there was. I can think of one time we met this family of like seven. There were like seven, six or so people in the household, and I mean, we didn't know because I mean, another telltale sign is women in Islam cover their hair mm. with a hijab, which is. Yeah, just like a call, you know, a shawl sure type you, yeah, thing, yeah. yeah, they cover their hair with it. And in this case, the woman was not, the wife was not wearing one, and there weren't really any signs one way or the other. Because, I mean, if, like, the other thing is, like, if someone's Christian or if someone's Buddhist, like, especially in Malaysia, they're very, because, I feel like because there's so many different religions there, people are all really outspoken about what they are. Yeah. So it could be if they're Anglican, then they have that red, yellow, and black cross on their door. If they're Roman Catholic, they'd have probably an image of the Virgin Mary. Gotcha. There's even some Hindus, but not as common, but they would have some of their um, religious imagery on their doorstep or door, but... So they make it known. Yeah, but like in the weird, like the weird, the problems start when you go like the the rare case where there's just nothing in the house that would indicate if it's Muslim or not. It's like I can't tell. Are you Christian? Are you not? Yeah. Um, but the best way to just and this once again, it's a little bit hard just because you're in a sense. I feel like I'm almost judging someone by their race. I mean that's not, but it's 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 because that's the way that's that's the law that is the right that is the requirements of being allowed in when you when you enter a country you must follow its laws and right. so you're just doing it for everyone's safety yeah, at that point you're basically, not trying to be you know judgmental it's just a yeah you just you just casually ask like hey so what race are you and if they say Malayu or then you're just like no okay or they like or they might even say. Like is I think they might say Islam or Muslim, uh, 
but yeah, if, if they say that, you maybe just kind of keep the conversation going. Don't really turn it to religion, but just yeah. like, hey, yeah, we're from America. Cool, nice to meet you, and then just go on your way. But don't discuss religion. Yeah. Um, whereas they might that that that's an interesting thing though, because like I mentioned, how there's the na- the natives to East Malaysia, and they've been living there for a lot longer, I think, than because. Another one of your questions was like, might even be like, so what are Muslims doing in a Southeast Asian country? Like, how did that mm-hmm. get? How did they get there? But it, I was kind of curious too. It's like people they migrated from the Middle East, kind of through India to and eventually into Malaysia, mm. and yeah, I don't know. It's kind of an anomaly because I don't. I guess in, there's also Indonesia. And they are also they're they're a lot they're that those two nations Indonesia Indonesia and Malaysia are very similar, um, both are predominantly Muslim and it's just I don't I don't know I don't know exactly is that, is that a pretty recent thing is the Muslim faith there or is that you know been happening uh, for a while to be honest as a missionary I wasn't really studying the history so much but I'm fairly certain they've been there for. A couple hundred, okay. few hundred years. So it's been a while. Yeah, that and makes sense. it was all Malaysia was also under British rule for a while. Oh, okay. And when the British eventually le- they left their colony, gave it its freedom, um, then yeah, the mo- the majority, yeah, Man. group was put in power. The Brits, <laughs> the British, yeah, <laughs> and all all the colonies over there, yeah. Hong Kong and all those different places. It's kind of funny, yeah. Um, but yeah, and there's also there's also some interesting things. It's not because some of the I guess let's talk a little bit about the like the native Borneans, and there's so much geography here. I'm sorry if this is getting confusing. No, no, but it's interesting. Like, so part there's the island of Borneo, mm-hmm. and the island of Borneo. Maybe you've heard of it before, and like, that's in Malaysia. Yeah, that's okay. it's it's part it's part of Mal- Malaysia One has of the pa- islands. Malaysia owns part of it. Yeah, gotcha. And Indonesia owns the other part of it. Oh, and okay. also there's also a small third smaller third country called Brunei that owns a part of that island. So wow, three different one island is is it controlled. a big island? Or yeah, not? it's pretty big. Okay. I mean, like as I, as islands go, I mean it's no Australia, but right. as islands go, it is it is large. Yeah, so. Yeah, there have just been people who've lived there for for the longest time, and it, I mean, it's kind of like it's kind of like how there's, there's so many different tribes of Native Americans in America. It's, I, mm. I would liken it onto that. How there's so they're like Native Native people. Yeah, like I mean, here in, in like just just in Arizona, I mean, we have Navajo, we have Apache, mm-hmm. so many different groups and peoples. Um, in 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 Borneo, they would have the most. The most frequent that I encountered were the Ebons. Ebons, okay. There's also, um, let's see, probably besides second to that, I'd say there's, yeah, Ebons, Kayans, um, Badayu, and Orang Ulu, <laughs> which Ulu. would mean like, which like literally means like the original people. <laughs> They're staking the claim. Yeah. And to be fair, they are. They're, they are somewhat rare to meet, but, I mean, they also tend to group together yeah. in the communities. But it was really amazing just to think, like, I'm meeting, like, 
this is like meeting with history basically right <laughs> but it's kind of it's kind of cool because i mean you're not going to meet like because you'll meet like lot like in america you'll meet lots mm-hmm. of people who are european or you know african-american or whatever right but these people like that's it that's where they're at yeah and you're not going to meet in what was what was that last one the, the one that stands for the original orang ulu yeah you're not going to meet an orang ulu from in america probably yeah so I get what you're saying. That's pretty cool. Deuce. For some reason, I'm thinking, you know, um, yeah. And they have, they also have their own traditional beliefs. I think it's called, I've heard it, it's, I've heard it's called either mirroring or some will call it peering, I th- believe. And some people, some people will choose to just stay with that rather than convert to Christianity. What what is it? Is it just like what what is there? Honestly, I'm not too sure because honestly we were kind of warned. <laughs> I don't know to like not worry about it too much. I don't know. But it's just like their native traditions and I'm beliefs. I'm more curious. And yeah, we're not I, to ask too much. We should do some we should do some research maybe later on. <laughs> yeah, we'll do know. that. We'll do that after the show. We'll, we'll But they put like the... a the main thing is cuz I talked about how everyone has something on their door. So like for them they put like they have like a leaf or like a black cloth. Hmm. And then they put some like white kind of paint and a certain symbol yeah. above their door. And is that like their tribe signal or is that like just their it's religious more like symbol? Partic- protect from like evil spirits i've heard mm. is the is the is the use there which is kind of interesting so they just they have some like tribe like religious tradition yeah type beliefs yeah okay that's interesting and there's even for instance um they have they might perform their own marriages and this this is something that missionaries and many different missions might encounter um they have to be in order for someone to be baptized. If they have to be legally married, right? Mm-hmm. And so, in certain cases, they might have what's called a kampong marriage. Like, so kampong means like village. Mm. So they might have gotten married in their village, but not necessarily legally. <laughs> and so, like, as the government of Malaysia would say, is legal. Yeah. So, as of course in our church, we always believe in obeying the law of the land. <laughs> That's so. Funny. Yeah, we'd have to. Now, I actually, but personally, I never encountered a situation like that, thankfully. Yeah. But some of my teachers in the MTC have shared that cases like that have happened. I mean, honestly, the best thing you can have in missionary work is always just to have a fellowshipper. Mm-hmm. That's really, that's your that's your goal. Because so many people in life are just looking for meaning, right. and they may not know where to find it. And they like say, well, I mean, they may have a church or they may have a faith, but... They've just never known anything different. Right. So when they have a friend who's there to say, hey, well, look what I've got. Look what look what I've found. Look how the Lord has blessed me. Yeah. And, I mean, it makes it a lot easier for us as missionaries. We have, we have an automatic interpreter. Right. <laughs> and they'll probably listen more to the friend, honestly. When they, well, not, not necessarily, but they might even listen to the friend more than they are to us. And that's right. completely fine. But... I mean, because that friend or family member is going to be there long after we're gone. Mm-hmm. That isn't, I mean, that's another thing, too, is I think one one lesson I learned on my mission is to be converted to the Lord. And because a lot of times we might have a certain friend or a, a person. I guess it's kind of like, this is kind of like the reverse of what I just mentioned. And a fellowship or a friend is great. But also 
our goal is to be converted to the Lord ultimately. Mm-hmm. So that way, because we might face a time where, oh no, now that person's gone. What am right. I going to do? <laughs> and being able to keep the faith and keep going to church, keep fulfilling your callings. Yeah. Kind of going beyond just the, uh, you know, being able to stand on your own feet firmly in your gospel knowledge and spiritual strength versus, you know, leaning on someone else's. It's good at start, but yeah, after a while you need to have more of it. Mm-hmm. Did, I think, you know, we've been talking about this because you just recently finished your mission, mm-hmm. like what, last week? Uh-huh. And... We were working on this MTC experience this for the service mission because you actually were in Singapore, Malaysia, that area. And then you, when COVID hit, you came back mm-hmm. and then you joined the service mission. So, one, I, I want to definitely hear what that transition experience was like because I think a lot of missionaries had to kind of go through that transition experience. And uh, it's interesting to hear from that point of view. But beyond that as well, we've been talking a lot about after two years, you know, talking about that conversion unto the Lord of, you know, continuing the mission after missionary, after after your missionary service and that time period being such a special set apart time to really learn how the Lord wants you to convert others unto Christ and how you can convert yourself unto Christ so that you continue his work and ministry Mm -hmm. through your life. So I'd just love to just hear, you know, those two experiences, what you're, how how that's, how, how you're seeing that in your life now and you know, how that you applied that in your life during that transition period. and Oh, for sure. Because, I mean, a lot of, I mean, the majority of elders, when they came home, um, it was just a week or two, and then they were back out in the field. I, on the other hand, elected to um, take some time and had to work, basically just work on a few things, clear some things up in my mind before going back out. Um I think the biggest thing that kept me going was just that, I mean, I've I've always had faith in God and that he was real and he existed. I think what got me through that certain, the transition period was just knowing that, like, I was known to the Lord. And, I mean, giving, serv- having s- served part of a mission had already made me a lot more confident. I mean, mm. even just like at a job interview, I was like, yeah, this is easy, piece of cake, easy. <laughs> I was able to get a job. I was I was blessed to um, have a friend in this human anatomy class I started taking over the summer online. It was someone I actually known previously, and he was showing me all these study tips, and I was like, that's crazy. Like, I didn't even know he was taking this class, but he's <laughs> helped. He's like being, having a friend to study with. But, I mean, all like, the reasons I had that was because God knew that, like, I needed that. And that's what he wants for me is to succeed. And so I just saw a lot of ex- – I had a lot of experiences between coming home from Malaysia and beginning as a service missionary that showed me that the Lord did know who I was. He was interested in me. Yeah. Because when you're out going door to door, it can – there can uh, – constantly, there can be some days where – you know, it's like, well, am I just doing this for nothing? Does the Lord even know who I am? Yeah. Does he care? Like, does this, what is what I'm doing really matter? But I think one, once I, but, but the re, the real reason for those, when the, the real reason those thoughts come up isn't because, I wouldn't even say it's necessarily doubt. It's just, as a missionary, you're just so busy and you're always supposed to be busy. And so 
you don't have per se as much time to ponder on things. Right. But then once you, once I got home and I had the time to think about it, I realized, yeah, that is, nothing's changed. I still, this is all true. And, um, I, I was, yeah, I mean, I was sort of hesitant about starting as a service missionary because I just, I mainly just didn't want to be bored. I was, I thought, am I, is there going to be enough to do? Um, I mean, I felt like at that point I could go back out on a proselyting mission and, and I just wasn't really sure why I would choose to do a service mission. I mean, you invited me to come and see. And after that, I realized like, yeah, there's like this, there's a lot of stuff, good stuff going on here. I mean, especially I felt like this, I felt kind of isolated while I was serving my proselyte. I'm going to, yeah, just to be honest, like I felt like maybe I didn't get along with some people at the MTC as well as I'd hoped or like, and I had some, I had two really good companions and then I had a really, really hard, just tough companion. After that, I was honestly just really emotionally like vulnerable and devastated. <laughs> I, was, I was just so, I was like, ah, oh. yeah. And I was just like, I don't, I don't know. I mean, it was never really a question of if I'm going to keep on serving. Like I always knew I was going to, it's just a matter of, it became a question of, well, when and how am I going to choose to serve? Right. And so, I mean, what, honestly, what really got me to join the service mission was just the, the whole, the, honestly, just the social aspect of it. I, I saw a really tight knit community of people. Some of them were working on issues like I was, and it was just really welcoming. I thought, you know, I can be, I can be comfortable here and I can still do some good work here. Yeah. And I mean, I always bring this up. It's like I could have gone to like Washington State. I could have gone to California. I could have gone to like who knows where I could have been. Right, anywhere, and right, anywhere in the states. It's like maybe I'm just quarantining in a house, right? Again, <laughs> and I don't. It's like that's. I mean, you can't Facebook find. I've I've learned, but to me, that's just not the same. Yeah, no. <laughs> especially not after because I mean. Malaysia is, a, is still a very baptizing. I mean, it's no Brazil, per se, but it is still a very baptizing, heavy m- mission. Yeah, and you can just well, like, when that's walk up goal. to people and convert them. Yeah, right. When that's the goal, right? And you can't go out and necessarily teach or preach or do those different things. You're mm-hmm. stuck in a house then the purpose and the goal becomes like, well, what the heck am I doing? Yeah. And I think that's why so many people seem so frustrated, right? Plus, not to mention being stuck in a house with another person who's probably tense and frustrated. You have no idea. Yeah, you really have no idea what it's going to be like. Yeah. And, but I mean, honestly, like, because I'm sure there's plenty of stories we could find of people who did go back out and they did have were in that situation and they yeah. were fine but of course like i said for me i just knew for me that's what i wanted and it took some time to convince my parents honestly my stake president was probably my biggest ally in the whole process of deciding to become a service missionary one time i just i just called him and i said hey i i'm really feeling like the service mission is the right choice for me and he said yeah i think that i think that would be really good for you and 
he yeah uh, t- he contacted the Stedmans and that's awesome. The I star was starting within like the next week, <laughs> <laughs> so and I I mean yeah I'm I love honestly any kind of mission you serve the best thing I think is gonna be just the people you meet. I mean I also really love just getting the experience to be like hey like I'm in Malaysia right now like I'm in Singapore right now that's crazy I never would have thought that was gonna ever happen in my life yeah but I think more consistently is just like seeing the people and being like these are just such good people because they're choosing to believe in Christ even though that's really that's something that's really hard to do here not just believe in Christ but believe in like honestly probably the most like persecuted church out of all the Christian ones I mean Christian it's already minority in this nation and then out of that we're just not we're just there's just a lot of hard things you have to get over to join the church in malaysia yeah yeah um but when you do that it's amazing and so that was great and i mean again on the service mission i just felt so happy with the people in me and i mean there were still, I mean, I mean, there were still some slow days. There were still some boring days. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, even like, for instance, like at the Gilbert Temple, I really, I felt like everything I'm doing here is just the same thing every day. There's not like an ultimate goal we're working towards. So I was like, it's like at the St. Vincent de Paul Urban Farm, we have projects we work towards. And at the Queen Creek Garden, we have projects we work towards. But um, what got me going was just, working with another elder who um is yeah i guess what how would you say it i mean he's he has autism he's um very outgoing but also needs some help just like staying on task right so over time i realized like that's what that's i think that's why i'm here is to like help him like just work yeah (laughs) So it's not it's not always about me and what am I getting out of it. It's also I think some of the some of what the, and this also depends on the person. But I think if you're going to choose, I mean, any kind of mission, the Lord's going to use what you already have to help build up other people. Yeah. Well, and it brings and it brings, you know, you're converting that elder or sister under Christ, right? Because mm-hmm. they're, you're giving, you're helping them have an experience and serve a mission and, yeah. and, and yeah. enrich their experience, whatever it may be. So I definitely think, you know, I agree. The Lord definitely uses our talents and our interests and puts us in a place where we'll succeed. And he's not going to be like, you know, oh yeah, you're going to get a lesser experience here. So that's why you put I put you there, you know, like mm-hmm. he's going to give you the fullest experience possible you can get, yeah and for me like the service mission was a time of healing for sure I, especially the first few months um i yeah it was just so good to like be out get outdoors um i don't know i just i definitely felt like the service mission was the right choice and honestly i mean who knows but I feel like one day, or at least I hope, I hope one day there might be a, just a choice. It's like when you choose to put in your papers, you say, "Hey, I want to serve a process mission, or I want to serve a service mission." And I don't, I don't know. 
Yeah. But that's honestly something that I hope for because I think it, I think a lot more people would even consider serving missions if, um, with with time the service mission program will increase and grow. But I mean, there's already elder, an elder I know, Elder Merrill. He before the mission, for instance, he had a business welding, and now he welds at Mains and Miracles, hmm. one of his service locations. Just being able to say, "Hey, look, there's there's job, there's employment opportunities here. There's job on the like job skills you can learn from this yeah. mission." And I mean, of course, the 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 true focus is, I mean, of course, always going to be on Christ. Um, but it it would really just I think change so many people's minds about even serving a mission if people knew more about what's what's available. And I mean, it's also true that. I mean, it is a very the service mission is still a very new program, or at least it feels that way to me. Yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, I know we had that. I can't remember which which general authority that was, but ba- basically, like the whole re- the one the one time with Elder Christofferson, but also I can't I can't remember the mm. other. I can't remember the. I know what you're talking you know about. Yeah. How basically? I mean, the whole reason the service mission even exists is because this one. Area seventy had a son, or someone. Someone yes. like had a oh. son. You wanted him to serve a mission. Yes. What's his name? Porter. Yeah. Elder Porter. I think he's now president of the MTC or something like that. Uh huh. But yeah, he it's, was. Yeah. That yeah yeah that's that's the thing is, I mean, just comparing the proselyting to the service, it's like, it's so so rigid as a proselyting missionary. If I'm if I'm being completely honest, I felt. I was like, oh, sometimes I was just really bothered by how many rules there were. Mm-hmm. And they were. there's really no debating those rules right? in many circumstances. I mean, particularly in the MTC and also in the field. Now, I mean, you can maybe talk, ask your mission president some things. But more or less, the rules are already defined for you. For sure. What I really liked about the service mission experience was that I had the chance to come up with something new to create and to share that with my mission leaders and they were they gave me the go ahead they weren't they weren't really controlling it either they said we want what you're going to make <laughs> like right. they didn't say like oh good idea let's let's make us like we'll make a mtc they said okay good idea now go do, we do it, it. Yeah. yeah 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 and we didn't we other parish and i and you didn't have like we weren't going off of much except the handbook and <laughs> right. just our own I guess I'm preach my gospel too, but mostly just our own kind of inspiration. Um but no I did I really like how uh the thing I'm trying to remember our, for season four of the um for the of the mount of the what do we call it? What do we call the over the overall thing now? Uh, the Missionary Teaching Network? Yeah, the Missionary Teaching Network, Season 4. The whole thing, the whole theme was just receiving inspiration. Mm. And I feel like because of that theme, I was, because originally I was like, well, maybe I'll just take this Saymore Haymore project and, like, <laughs> make it. But then I realized, no, no, it's, like, not at all about that. Like, yeah. there's something so much more I could be doing. And we'll see. Oh, yeah. I... And I think that's – I agree. The service mission gives so many opportunities to – and, yeah, it depends on the mission leader, I think, sure. a lot too. Yeah. But 
it allows the opportunity to really explore and uh, there's rules, but it allows you the opportunity to really feel like you can succeed in those rules. Mm-hmm. I think I think sometimes uh, the rigidness sometimes leads to people feeling like failures. and uh, But it allows you to succeed, feel like you can find success in those rules, but also communicate with the Lord to figure out what does he need you to do. And that's one thing that I've, I also have seen with the service mission that it really allows. And Crossline Mission also does a lot of that too. It just it's just in different ways. So, yeah, I, I, I think what you've done with the MTC and, and that opportunity to grow is going to bless tons of lives. And I think we've seen it bless already so many as we're going along. So it's been a fantastic project to work on. Yeah, it, it sure has been. And it'll just keep on getting better. Like even after I'm gone, it'll, it'll just <laughs> keep going and who knows what will end up happening. But yeah, I mean, I think for me, I mean, I just feel like the pro. I feel like my processing mission was really hard, but I feel like it was supposed to be that way. Like God, because God personally wanted me to have a hard, hard experiences. Yeah, um, that would cause me to change. Yeah, and it was almost like I was under fire like my whole time as a processing missionary, and then. As a service missionary, I just got that time to kind of, I mean, I had I had a lot more time to reflect and also just time to say, hey, what, what do I, what, when, what, am, what do I want to do? Yeah. And kind of relax and unwind to an extent. And I, I don't know, because I know hard work is such an important and commonly taught aspect of the church. But I think more than, even, more than just working hard what matters most to God is like just that we get to know ourselves Yeah. because we can work super hard and not know why we're working at all. And I think what the, what God really wants is for us to have a personal testimony in him. Yeah. And so for right now, the service mission may not be a path that as many missionaries take, but I do believe as time goes on, it will open up to more people. I mean, we've already seen the recent change of any missionary who has is is sent home for medical reasons Transfers. is automatically a service missionary, mm-hmm. and that that alone is exposing so many more people to the service mission. And it's yeah, I th- I feel like if every mission, I mean. If every service mission had a community like ours did of missionaries, then the program would have just taken off by now. Yeah. <laughs> we'll have to see how it goes in the future. Yeah, and I think I think we're definitely our mission has kind of had that spurt, and we're headed we're we're headed in that direction. And a lot of missions are now starting to take that mm-hmm. that same you know direction and path because people are realizing what is possible and what can be done and. And it really is a game changer. Um, well, Eldon, I think, you know, I've learned a ton from just talking to you. We've known each other for, uh, oh, man, uh, most, well, yeah, most of our lives. Most of our lives, yeah. And, uh, really. and, you know, I've learned new stuff about your mission, even though we've been in the same service mission. And I've learned tons of things today. The one thing, if I were to recap just what we've talked about, um, is, you know, the Lord – the Lord has a plan, and uh, I think more importantly, he's 
you know, he's not just building things or building stuff. He's building people. And he's out here giving us the best opportunity to build the best version of ourselves if we're willing to take that opportunity and that path. And uh, I think you've, I know you've set a great example for me and exemplified that. And I know you've done it for so many others. So any, I'd love to hear any last words or last, last thing to kind of, before we wrap up the, this, this, this podcast. Mm-hmm. I'll just say, no, I wanted to shout something at Ubon, but something told me that probably wouldn't be Do the it. best thing. Do it. Just say it. Makai! Makai elders! Makan banyak! Nasi! Sayur! Makanagi! Oh, man. What'd you say? I just said, eat, eat elders, eat some more. Here's some chicken, here's some fish, here's some vegetables. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it. that's by far by far the most common phrase I heard on my mission. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Um... I mean, people are truly special, and I long. I mean, I hope for the day when the whole world will be open to receiving the gospel of Jesus Christ. But just like I hope for the day when service missionaries become more and more mainstream, and I think in both cases, it's yeah, once again, just a matter of the Lord's timing and what the Lord has planned for you. So I would invite you to listeners to pray and ponder on what's what's my plan of salvation what is my personal way of getting back to god what do i need to do to accomplish that and yeah um i'm happy it doesn't rain as much in arizona as it does in malaysia (laughs) (laughs) absolutely yeah all right well ellen we'll have to have you back on the show i appreciate it you're a great friend yeah and uh I love that phrase. Got to eat more, eat more, more. eat more of the gospel, (laughs) eat more vegetables, eat more chicken. There you go. All right. Well, we'll talk to you later. We'll talk to you soon.